Hello, everyone. Andy Bobrek here with the Legally Bond podcast. Great to be with you. Of course, I am guesting this summer. We covered our three episodes on our summer fun series, and now it's that time of the year. It's August, and it's back to school. And so we've been fortunate to have a number of my colleagues in our higher education and education practice groups uh, meet with us and uh, appear on our podcast and talk a little bit about themselves and their practice and what's interesting right now in this particular area of the law. And it's my great pleasure to welcome one of my colleagues, Sandra Casey, who's joining us today. Sandra works in our Albany office. Uh, It's been great to work with her. We've had a chance to work together on a number of issues already. And uh, with that, I want to welcome you, Sandra. Great to have you here today. Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. Uh, So, Sandra, why don't you start by just giving people a little bit of background and and tell them how it is that you came to be practicing with us here at Bond. My uh, career route took a little bit of a different path than most people in terms of coming to a private law firm. I actually started uh, my career in-house for SUNY. I was a young attorney. Um, I just moved to Albany from Washington, D.C., and I really wanted to practice higher education law. And that passion came to me when I was in law school, believe it or not. I was working in Washington, and uh, I was monitoring federal legislation for the New York State Department of Education down in Washington, and I went to law school at night. I took a higher ed law seminar taught by Bill Kaplan, who wrote uh, the book, The Law of Higher Education, that was actually our textbook. And that book actually is co-authored by our esteemed colleague here at Bond, Barbara Lee. And I just love the course. And it really made me see how the laws that I was monitoring Um, in Congress were playing out on the campus. So I just thought that was fascinating. You know, it kind of all came to life for me when I took that course and I said, this is what I want to do. So when my husband and I moved to Albany from Washington, I just um, sent out letters cold to higher ed institutions and SUNY wrote me back and said they were interested. And, you know, I went through the interview process and I was lucky to get the job and I was there for, for a while. And I just very much loved the work. And then I moved over to Siena College for 10 years. And that was really my dream job to be in-house counsel to a small college. And I just love that. And it was very enriching for me. And then an opportunity came to me to go back to SUNY. And I was there for a number of years. I was deputy general counsel. I was acting counsel for a little while. Actually, I was acting counsel during COVID, which was pretty exciting and challenging at the same time. And then this opportunity um, opened up at Bond, and I thought, well, you know, this is really what I want to do because I would like to do something a little different and get out of the inside council work and do outside council work. And I liked the thought of mentoring young attorneys, new attorneys, and and there was an absolute opportunity here at Bond to do that, to expand the higher ed practice in Albany and work with attorneys here. And, and mentoring them and troubleshooting with them. And it's been, you know, a great, up. it's been, it's been wonderful for me. Well, that's great. I, uh, very interested on, on that path and, and just selfishly for me. And I know my, my other colleagues who, you know, have kind of gone the more traditional route in terms of a private practice would, would share. It's been great to have your perspective, uh, as in-house counsel and, and, 
you know, help us peek behind the, the curtain a little bit and understand those dynamics and and how things work and and you know, especially how we can better serve the the needs of uh, our in-house clients. And you know, it's just been, I think, a great a great fit all the way around with our uh, higher education practice group that continues to grow. It's multifaceted, as you know, and it's great that you've you know you've worn the the labor and employment hat uh, in your in your responsibilities. Uh, you dealt with all things COVID, and and I know that that list is you know just a short piece of the many different areas. So uh, it, it's been great to to have you here with us. So what these days, you know, what what what's your typical kind of day like? What what issues are you dealing with uh, more frequently? Well, we we do deal with a number of compliance issues. So accommodating students with disabilities what you need to do in that regard, forms that need to be drafted, you know, release forms for liability, those kinds of things, just general counsel, you know, legal advice, doing those on a daily basis, a lot of contract review, you know, talk about business review. I, I actually uh, was involved with uh, bond financing. And, and then at the same time I was doing the bond financing, I was finishing up a Title IX investigation on a campus. So that's pretty varied, right? From, I'll say. <laughs> from you know, one side of the, the, the spectrum to the other in terms of, you know, the type of work. So that's really what's exciting about higher education law, because you really do so many different kinds of things. And not one day is the same as the next. I mean, it's it's just very varied. And I really like that. And it's intellectually challenging. And I think what's great about this work too is that the clients are so great and they're so grateful of anything that you can provide them, any kind of advice. I mean, they they just are genuine in their gratitude, I think. And that really makes it very satisfying as an attorney. I agree. I tell people I, I do work with a number of our higher ed clients. It's a it's a big part of my practice, and I, I share all those sentiments. The work is always very interesting. It's complex. Um, the stakes are significant, but uh, at the same time, you're you're dealing with some great professionals uh, who I agree with you have tremendous gratitude uh, and um, are great great to work with. I, again, when I speak, I say we have the best clients. And it's it's absolutely true, and it's especially true in in the higher education area, and just really enjoyed. And and yeah, so you're dealing with with bond financing on on you know one part of your day in a Title IX investigation. So you're you're like the legal Swiss Army knife here at at Bond in higher education. I, 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 like, I like that. Yeah, good, good. So uh, we had one of our colleagues on recently, Joanna Silver, and and she talked about. One emerging issue that I know is is on the desk of many administrators that are higher education clients, uh, that being the in, impending and proposed uh, OCR regulations dealing with Title IX and that kind of swinging pendulum that we've seen in terms of what those requirements are going to be uh, moving forward here. Uh, I, I'm sure that's something of concern to your practice and your clients. Is there, do you have other things that uh, you you see coming down in, in with the academic year coming up here that are notable for uh, our higher education clients and their administrators? Yes, and I think that we really need to pay attention to the financial aid regulations. There's a, the day after the OCI regulations were published on the in the Federal Register, the, the Department of Ed published a number of uh, proposed regulations with regard to borrower defense rules where, uh, 
you know, where a student can bring a lawsuit against an institution for misrepresentation if they don't get the career that they want or if they feel like they haven't gotten their the, the proper education that was advertised, it's going to be easier for people to bring lawsuits against institutions. So we really have to watch out for those financial aid regulations. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's, you know, the bailiwick of the financial aid directors and the financial aid directors are amazing, in my opinion, because they know those rules backwards and forwards. But there's other things that have implications throughout the institution that people should be aware of that are are part of those financial aid regulations. So it's something that I really am going to watch and hopefully I can present to our clients and others in the higher ed community so that they are aware. Another area is the revenue sharing agreements with online program management companies. That is something that the Department of Ed um, has, has sanctioned. They said it's okay, but they're going to be coming up probably with guidelines and to put in guardrails to make sure that nothing you know, nefarious is happening with those kind of you know, revenue sharing agreements. So again, that's something that I'm looking at. But of course, the timeline regs are on everybody's radar. And it's just interesting to me to see the history of that. You know, the pendulum, as you said, is definitely swinging back. I mean, when the Dear Colleague letter came out in 2011, you know, that's when we um, saw for the first time the term Title IX coordinator. Well, yeah. So you mentioned the pendulum, Sandra. It's very, very interesting to me. One of one of the things I used to say tongue in cheek 10 years ago is I, I wish with these politically sensitive areas of the law that we just had two sets of laws. We had the sets of laws when the Democrats are in control. And we have the sets of laws when the Republicans are in control. And we can just swap them in and out. So at least we know ahead of time what we're dealing with. And, you know, 10 years later, we're not that far from it. Although, where that pendulum ends up uh, it, it, here now is it, it, is it moves back to, towards what we saw with that initial Dear Colleague letter and, and everything that transpired after that, I guess, remains to be seen to a certain extent. That's right. I do think that having the flexibility is going to be a good thing for institutions. So I was talking about the pendulum swinging and where that's going to end up. Yeah. You know, and it's a bit uncertain right now. Yeah, it's a bit uncertain, but I do think that um, we're going to have the best of both worlds. I mean, you know, we're going to have the flexibility, but also the direction that the current regulations provide. I think, um, again, it provides some guardrails that may not have been there with the, you know, the prior uh, regulation. So it's all good. I'm very hopeful for the future in this area. Well, that's good to hear. So to, to all our listeners out there who work in the higher education area, if you need a legal Swiss army knife, you know to call Sandra. It's high, higher education, bond financing, uh, Title IX, OCR investigations, contract review, uh, compliance in the, the myriad of other areas that, that our clients face. You know who to call, and uh, it's Sandra Casey. So Sandra's contact information is available on our website, BSK, so Bond Shed and King, BSK.com. Uh, and she is a frequent presenter on our Tuesday webinars and also uh, a prolific writer on our various outlets, uh, social media and otherwise. So keep your eye out for her content. It's great stuff. Sandra, great to have you with us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Andy. Glad All to right. be here.